Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello and welcome to another episode of Box Office Bingers. Or now, so this is episode 111, or otherwise known as episode 111. But yeah, we are just moving along here, aren't we? I know, we're we're trucking along. And we, you know what? I'm so excited to talk to you about this movie this week. We're oh, really? We're doing Apple TV Plus's Coda, uh, directed and written by... Um, Oh, I didn't practice this before, so I'm probably gonna fuck this up. Seeing <laughs> header, heater. Mm, yeah. Header, heater, header. Heater. I don't know. We're gonna look it up. <laughs> yeah. I'll get back. We'll come back to it. But not only are we reviewing this movie, but I think it's perfect that we're reviewing this movie because the Oscar noms have dropped. Oh my God! Yeah. That's only I've been a, all a over small this. taste. <laughs> small taste of the news we got go, we got for this week. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so let's just dive right into it. Um, we are going to start with basically the news that we've been waiting for. We've been we've been prepping for this. We've been anticipating for this. And the, um, the nominations for the 94th Annual Academy Awards have finally been announced. Uh, we're we're going to talk about the big nominations here, uh, but you can see all 23 categories, see everything that's been nominated for the Oscars over on our Instagram page at box office underscore bingers and our Facebook page at box office bingers. But we're going to get right into it. Let's start with the best picture category we have, and the nominees are um, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Mm. Ernesto, by looking at these uh, films right here, we have seen, I've seen five, you've seen uh, six, I believe. No, no, I'm sorry. One, we have seen two, six. Three, I've seen eight. Yeah, I think that's right. Eight. No, yeah, we have, well. One, two, oh, no, well. No, three, seven. Four. Five. Now, now. See, math is not our strong suit here. Seven. I've seen seven because I've seen Coda. Yeah, you see. I've seen Don't Look Up. I've seen Dune. I've seen King Richard. I've seen Licorice Pizza. I've seen The Power of the Dog. And I've seen West Side Story. Seven. Yeah, so you've seen seven. I've seen six. And there's ten total. And I'm probably going to hit. And I'm probably going to hit. One of them this weekend. I'm probably gonna. Yes. I'm probably gonna see Nightmare Alley this weekend because I've I've actually been wanting to see that one. Yes, yeah, same here. Um, but uh, so yeah, so we've seen quite a bit of them, and so are you surprised by any of these, you know, nominations? Let's start Dune. there. Dune is probably Dune, and I want to say West Side Story only because of our like kind of how I feel how it match, especially how it matches up between these movies but i feel like maybe that's just the love that people give west side story that's kind of i feel like why it's up there 
Yeah, I, there. I mean, I think we we talked about this last week. If you haven't already listened to last week's episode, episode one ten, we had a great conversation with Corey Jacoma uh, with his career, and we also talked about West Side Story as well. And basically, the consensus on that review was that we didn't really care for it. <laughs> it just wasn't a yeah, it wasn't a movie for us. Yeah, yeah, it was. I I I didn't. I just straight up, I didn't like it. It was. It wasn't a movie for me. It's <laughs> didn't like it at all. Um, I understand it's a classic, but you know maybe we don't have to redo those classics. And but some people, and I guess also the Academy, loves seeing those classics again. They do. Very. I mean, uh, if it, but I would have preferred to see this movie in another category, which I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't remember if it was. Um, if it was announced for cinematography, but that would be the one I'd I want. That would that'd be the one I'd want it for. Yeah, I believe it is uh, for I think West Side Story is up there for best cinematography, which I do agree. I think that's where West Side Story really belongs. Um, also, it's nominated for um, uh, Ariana DeBois for um, best uh, supporting actress, which she she played Anita in the movie. And so I thought I, she, she, I mean, we'll get I agree we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, but I agree. I, I think I, I do agree with you that I think she deserves that. Um, and I believe it's also there for costume design, and I can totally understand that as well. Oh yeah, definitely understand. Yeah. That. So I mean, uh, there are that... there are aspects of it that were, I think they were beautiful from what it sounds like. They were great to see, and then we had some mm-hmm. great actors who were, who were worked into the mix as well. Yeah, but as the meal, no, I was bored. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Uh, Not as the meal. Not for best Not picture. As... Best picture exactly. is the meal. <laughs> A couple of ones that were not nominated was Tick, Tick, Boom. That was a high contender to be nominated for Best Picture, and it was nowhere to be seen. To me, that surprises me. Yeah, especially and, compared to West Side. Like, if you're comparing, if you want to throw, oh, well, we want to get a musical for Best Picture, and you just and you pick West Side Story over Tick, Tick, Boom, I think Tick, it would have, well, I think it was deserved for Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, I feel like Tick, Tick, Boom was more like West Side Story is a spectacle and Tick, Tick, Boom is more of a personal story. And I think an untold personal story. Exactly. And so I feel like I resonate more with the personal story than watching the spectacle that has been performed on stage and was already a, a best picture winner in 1961. Yeah. Or, or I guess the, the exact, 1962. Basically the exact same movie. With, exactly. The same, same period. <laughs> time period so i don't particularly think it's going to win but obviously it's nominated so uh so yeah that's kind of you know there uh being the ricardos was also up there for best picture that didn't win we haven't got a chance to see that one yet uh but that is definitely on the list of things to see um and uh the surprise here um out of all the speculation that's been going around was nightmare alley Uh, people thought that it was going to be a sure thing that Tick, Tick, Boom was on that list. And all of a sudden, no Tick, Tick, Boom, and you got Nightmare Alley up there. And we're like, what? Guillermo del Toro's movie? Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, look who he did with um, The Shape of Water. It kind of mm-hmm. came that same kind of surprise. But I've, I've even even when I heard about it, like I, I saw the trailers when I was in the theaters and it looks really good. Like it looks really it looks really interesting. And it's something original, you know? Absolutely, like I'm, I'm here for. It. Like, I mean, Guillermo del Toro is a fantastic director. Shape of Water, I, I liked. I didn't love it, but I'm more into Hellboy and Pacific Rim. Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro. I mean, he took the he took the the blue guy from 
Hellboy and he gave him his own movie. <laughs> he gave his own <laughs> Cause, movie. Because exactly. if you look at both of those creatures side by side, they look very similar. <laughs> yes, I, I'm sure there was a lot of inspiration with yeah. that character. Yeah, that's it's the, the same that's actor the too. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same actor, so really, it's the same guy. I mean, it's a good movie. <laughs> like, it's, it's it's like his prologue from Hellboy. You go from <laughs> Hellboy one and two prologue Shape of Water. It yeah. makes sense. Um, <laughs> He just lost his memory. It's it's a whole thing. It's a whole yeah. thing. Um, but but anyway, yeah. And uh, the the foreign film or international film, uh, Japanese film called Drive My Car, which if you're trying to look for it like we are, it's not available anywhere. So you have to kind of wait and to see where that kind of lands. But that kind of snick snuck this way into the best picture category, which not really surprising, really after like the monster storm that was Parasite. Um, you know, it kind of paves the way for foreign films to be nominated for the highest honor there. Yeah. Exactly. Well, maybe. Well, you know, the theaters usually they usually showcase all that stuff before the Oscars, yes. anyway. So maybe mm-hmm. we could be. Hopefully, it will come to theaters here so we can see it. Yeah, I I agree to that. And again, nothing has been announced yet on where we can find some of those. Like especially Drive My Car, but give it a few weeks, give it a few days. You know, they're probably you know crossing those T's, dotting those I's to make sure that people are able to watch it here in America. Uh, but yeah, I, to me, the big surprise was Tick, Tick, Boom. I expected to see that on the top spot. But, you know, obviously with the, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda was the director. Um, so it, maybe they weren't feeling him as much as, as as well as like Guillermo del Toro, who has done. He, he's, he's won Best Picture, Best Director in the past. So maybe the Academy resonated with that film more than Tick, Tick, Boom. Or, or maybe they didn't want to put two musicals in the same category. Yeah, they should have just took West Side Story out and replaced it with Tick, Tick. I mean, not for nothing. Like, Tick, Tick, Boom at least deserves to be – at least the, deserves a nom, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. But we don't make those decisions, Ernesto. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so that's the Best Picture category. For Best Director, we have Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, uh, Kenneth Branagh in Belfast, uh, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, the Japanese director for Drive My Car. I'm going to try, I think. Okay. Excuse me if I fuck it up. I just want to at least try. Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Okay. Maybe. I, you know, when when you said it, I can see it. I, I can I can see what how that came about. I'm just not sure about the the Ryu part of the first name because it has a, yeah. uh, like has a little, little asterisk. I don't know how yeah. to pronounce how to pronounce that asterisk with the U underneath it. So I'm I well, hope I think, that I think, pronounced it right. I think you nailed the last name, Mr. Or maybe, Hamaguchi. Or maybe not Ryu, but maybe Ryu, Ryusuke. Ryusuke, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, he got nominated for uh Drive My Car. Any uh any surprises here? You've seen all but well, all but two, actually. And we both seen – yeah. Well, you've seen Licorice Pizza. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I, I, I'm really – I mean, we're not doing we're not doing uh, predictions yet. We, that's, that's no, I, it's just kind of like do you see anybody that, that should have been in the direct, best director category, basically? Lin-Manuel Miranda. For Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. No. Yes. 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 I think he – I mean, I think he should have been nominated. I mean, what you the, see any you miss? And maybe the uh, director well, for King Richard. Oh, I mean, yeah, that that one was fine. Uh, you know, directing wise, I don't think it was anything like groundbreaking in his film. Um, but like sometimes people, like I, I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson and Kenneth Branagh are probably getting the nom for how they directed probably the actors. 
Um, I can see West Side Story, Steven Spielberg, obviously. Um, but that's a spectacle in and of itself. That's not easy to do. Um, Jane Campion, that's a very intense story that yeah. she kind of formulated. So I can definitely see that. Um, the big one, uh, the big snub was uh, Dennis Villeneuve for Dune. That was uh, actually, he received the knob for Outstanding Directorial Achievement at the Directors Guilds of America Awards. So those, the, he has, he, the winners aren't announced yet, but typically when they are nominated at the Directors Guilds Awards, that's a high contender for them to be nominated for an Oscar. And basically all of them uh, were there except for Dennis Villeneuve, who was replaced with um, Mr. Hamaguchi uh, for Drive My Car. So... Which to look at to look at what they achieved in Dune and they only told half the story, like in dealing with the amount of CGI that's required for that and everything that went mm-hmm. into making that, that's that kind of maybe I mean that does kind of seem like he should at least be nominated. Yeah, and also, but I mean to be fair, he's probably the Academy's like, well, he's making a part two, so well, we can give it to him then. <laughs> Oh, that's true too. Because maybe, maybe that, that's a good point. Because maybe part two, it will is plan is to outdo the obviously outdo it, the original one. Yeah, so cap, I mean uh, to kind of tie it all together. It's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, you may, actually you make a good point now that we're talking about it. Going back to best picture for Dune, like he he Dune is for best picture for half a movie. We haven't even gotten the full movie yet. Exactly. Like, that's only half the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know what? Your half is is great. We, we like your half. We're going <laughs> to... No extra story needed. Your half is worthy of best picture. Oh, uh, that's funny. Uh, so, yeah. So, there you go on the best director category. Um, we're going to be watching all of these and trying to make our own opinions on a later date. Uh, for best actor, we have Javier Bardem and Being the Ricardos. Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Will Smith for King Richard and Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth. Mm. Uh, there were a lot of actors interesting. I mean, a couple of them that were snubbed. Uh, at least one of them was a high contender was Leonardo DiCaprio for Don't Look Up. Do you feel like he should have been among those five? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. As opposed to, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously we haven't seen See, Denzel. And being and the I, Ricardos. I haven't heard a lot about Tragedy of Macbeth, and I'm like, there's not a really strong. I'm maybe I'm sure it's very good. I just I don't have a desire to go see it, like a rush. I feel I have actually zero desire to go see it, and <laughs> I was I was quite hoping that because the Oscars will make me watch things I maybe not necessarily want to watch, like I don't know, The Irishman, and so. <laughs> And so, and so with, uh, with when I saw the trailer for the, the tragedy of Macbeth, I'm like, please, dear God, this movie's not nominated at the Oscars because I, I, I really don't want to see it. This is not a movie for me. I can already see that. And yes. then I see that Denzel gets it, and you're like, son of a bitch, this guy. I, I don't know. Maybe he's the only good thing about that movie. I mean, it is nominated for other things, but it's more technical, not really acting or anything like that. So that's what they get out of it for Denzel's performance. But here's my thing with this. I mean, Leo has been nominated a whole bunch. Denzel has been nominated a whole bunch. I know uh, one of the contenders was the the, the kid from Licorice Pizza. 
and he was a contender on here, and they he's nowhere to be seen. Uh, yeah, but the we've got some. He's up. He's up against some big game here. Like oh, that's a lot of heavy hitters for sure. Lot, there's a lot of heavy hitters. So it's not that he wasn't good enough. It's just that you're up against like. <laughs> the, the greats who brought it and like all these actors i'm obviously i haven't seen being the ricardo's and tragedy Macbeth, but you know they're, they're you know javier bardem and denzel washington. washington exactly yeah uh at least of the mungs that we've seen i know that at least what's being talked about is that the race is kind of between andrew garfield and, and will smith that those are like one and two of most likely going to win and I don't know. Uh, uh, to me, that, that that's an this is a very interesting category to say the least. I I have thoughts, but I think I'm gonna save it for when we do our predictions because I want to be I want to I want to watch being the Ricardos and Tragedy Macbeth before I give my informed opinion. That's fair enough. Yeah. So moving on from that, we have Best Actress, which I believe for I, this is the category that kind of I have not seen any of these movies, but I plan on doing so. Um, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, Kristen Stewart for Spencer, and uh, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, which um, which I've never heard of this movie before. Kind of flew yeah. by my radar. The other ones I've seen. Um, but as far as the... So Kristen Stewart and Penelope, Pelen, nope, Penelope. Penelope Cruz were among the surprises that were nominated for this. The high contenders, though, that got snubbed was Lady Gaga in her performance in House of Gucci and Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha Franklin in Respect. So we know how you feel about uh yeah, House of, <laughs> the House of Gucci. I'm not actually. I'm actually not surprised by Kristen Stewart for a few reasons. I feel like the people who don't really like Kristen Stewart have possibly only seen her in Twilight. Like they mm-hmm. they look at her the same way they look at um. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. These are great actors who did. They did a movie, a very popular movie series in the in the beginning of their career. Like that's yes. they've obviously grown since then. Like she's a great, I think she's a great actress. She's she's pretty good. Um, and people love that. People love the story of the royals, and they love yes. Princess Diana. I think isn't that what Spencer is about, right? Yeah, it's about yeah, yeah. She, I think I she's mean, playing to Princess Diana between between the crown and um, the documentaries that's that's come out. Every everything that's every all all the hype around them that's been as of recent, like. Of course, this it only makes it only makes sense because there's already a following for that audience for for that story and that family. On top of, and then Kristen Stewart, you know, she just maybe she roped him in. She did maybe she did a yeah. good job. Yeah, maybe. And that movie just recently just got on Hulu. Uh, Eyes of Tammy Faye's on um, uh, HBO. Lost Daughters on Netflix. Being the Ricardos on Amazon Prime, just kind of hitting all the streaming services there. That's and so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, like you want to watch all these, you got to go to all these different streaming services. Um, and then the only one that's not available right now is Parallel Mothers for uh, Penelope Cruz's performance. Um, but I was, I you know what, I, Kristen Stewart and Lady Gaga were kind of back and forth from what I was reading. But for me, the surprise was, was Penelope Cruz. I, I I thought that Jennifer Hudson was gonna at least get a nom for her performance in Respect. You, that's right. You saw it. That's right. You did. You did see it. I mean, and it was even for. I mean, she I mean, was def. She was the best thing, right? Yeah, she was the best thing about that movie, um, among other things. But she was definitely 
definitely a standout. I would assume that she was going to get a nom for it, but I guess they went with Penelope Cruz instead, uh, which is an interesting choice. I mean, that means that she probably brought something that playing the iconic Aretha Franklin did not uh, did not provide to the Academy. Uh, so that was interesting there. Uh, moving on for best adapted screenplay, we have Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog, um, which uh, all were adapted from, I'm assuming, books, um, which is great. Um, stories that were snubbed were Passing, which was also based off a book, is on Netflix. The trailer looks great. And so that was up there for a contender, did not win. And West Side Story was also um snubbed as well but i think that's fine by me <laughs> but then it's like <laughs> i don't know it's like you look at adapt how can you look how can you have it nominated for adapted screenplay but then not have it for like best best picture you know like looking at like what's that story like how can so you think you're... it's a how do you how can you think it's a best picture but then not think it's an a best adapted screenplay oh i see what you mean i see so i mean I mean, we're not going to get into this movie again, but I wasn't a you big fan I mean? of the dialogue. I, yeah, no, I know. I, I guess I guess that's true. I guess that's mainly what it's looking at is like the actual the actual dialogue. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's weird <laughs> that like I mean, I think a good example of what you're describing is like best picture category um, is like <clears throat> um, the power of the dog because it's up there for best. Uh, well, not best actress, but you has you have a best actor category. Um, uh, you have the it's in the supporting actor, it's in the supporting actress, it's in the best writing, it's in the best director, it's in the best picture. Yeah. So yeah, it makes sense that you know it kind of trickles down to like if you think it's best picture, then you also think it has like what what about it is best picture? It's like well, we think we like the director, we like the actor, we like the writing. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, and then the last one, at least the one we're going to be, you know, kind of diving into is the uh, best original screenplay, which is given to Belfast, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, and The Worst Person in the World, which is another international film that was nominated. Uh, so obviously we haven't watched that one yet, but I'm actually happy to see um, Don't Look Up on the uh, on the best original screenplay list. Yeah, but I feel like it's it's... It's up against some some heavy hitters. It's, it's up against some tough competition. The, as far as like you know the ones that we have seen, don't look up Licorice Pizza, King Richard. Do you feel like that these stories are, I guess, comparable with one another? Like as far as like the, yeah, I can see the writing being something that was Absolutely. a highlight. Okay. Absolutely. Maybe not so not so much King Richard for best original screenplay. Well. I mean, I guess they, 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 you know, they took their life, but they took it from documentaries and talking right. to them. And... Okay, so I guess I could see that. Because um, right, King Richard and Belfast are kind of like in the same vein. Yeah, exactly. I, I think if we're, as of right now, if we're solely looking at original, Don't Look Up is pretty original to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I feel like a lot of it's kind of taken off of what's happening of what's happening today for don't well, look up like it's a disaster story you know like right like 2012 or you know movies like that but you know when did the movie disaster movies like that ever get nominated exactly but i mean it's i feel like it's a disaster movie that is not an action movie as well which 
disaster and action could play hand in hand. This one is more of a drama disaster movie than anything else. Well, um, comedy. Or com- well, that's true. It, it, it's yeah, exactly. Or more like um, a tra- I guess a tragedy. I guess however you want to look at them. However, however it's, you it's look it's at a, the movie. It's a com tragedy. It's a it's a, it's a it's, you, you can laugh about it. You can be sad about it. A trauma. Think about it. Tromedy. It's a tromedy. There you go. It's a, it's a tromedy. It's a tromedy. I like that. Um, and then one of them does. One of the uh, movies that were snubbed for the original screenplay was *Being the Ricardos*. Uh, that's uh, our boy Aaron Sorkin, uh, who was nominated and won last year for *The Trial of the Chicago 7. So, um, so this year he was snubbed for writing, which he's basically known for, um, and he also got snubbed for best director and for best picture. So yeah. really, being the Ricardo only got there for the actors. They they were not about this movie apparently, Ernesto. So guess, but it did give so it some that, credit. That that means that they didn't like the movie, but they liked the performances. Right. <laughs> exactly, it's pretty much what it is. Um, so yeah, so those are the big um, categories that was nominated. Some other big takeaways that we can point out um, with uh, the other nominations in the supporting actor category, both Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith McPhee were nominated for power of the dog. Ernesto, I, I remember you saying that you weren't really thrilled about Jesse Plemons performance in the power of the dog. Yeah, but I was, I did like Cody Smith McPhee. Like for me, yes. that, that was my first introduction to him. And especially working up against Jesse Plemons and Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. I mean, very well seasoned act, great actors. Like yeah. he, he held, he was able to hold his own and he did a great job. So I can definitely see the nomination for him. Yeah. I mean, same here, but I, I agree with you when we reviewed the power of the dog that Jesse, Jesse Plemons and uh, Kristen Dunst were not the highlights for, for me. Um, and, but yet they both got supporting acting noms you know jesse plumbing's got it for uh for actor and kristen dunn's got it for for actress so i mean great that basically the entire cast got the the entire main cast of power of the dog got nominated for their performances but i think there were some better ones in the mix uh some some better than others in that in the whole movie uh jk simmons also gets a nom for his performance in being the ricardos what uh over what many people believe would have gone to Bradley Cooper for his performance in Licorice Pizza. Ernesto, I know that you were Definitely very, I loved really his enjoyed his performance. Absolutely. That's, that's um, yeah, needed to happen. And it didn't. And it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. Uh, so I guess either, you know, the eyes of whoever is rating these, but either J.K. Simmons or Jesse Plemings took Bradley Cooper's spot, which Bradley Cooper felt like a shoo-in because a lot of people were talking about his performance in Licorice Pizza, but... I guess uh, not good not enough, enough. Apparently, I mean he not wasn't enough. he wasn't in. I mean, damn, he brought a lot to that film, but he was on, he was he was only in like maybe the last third of the film, like like that's, until like the very end. That's still a lot of the movie, though. If it's the third of the movie, okay, maybe like a fourth. I don't like it's okay. All like, right, yeah, like the middle of the middle of the end. Because I believe Anne Hathaway was only in like the first twelve minutes of. Lay Miz, and she won a supporting actress role uh, way back when. So oh, like it can point. be done for like it's. I don't feel like it's not how long you've been in the role. It's how, what impact can you have for the amount of time that you, you know the impact that you put in the movie, no matter how long your runtime is or your screen time is. Plus compared um, to how everybody else who's nominated. 
Correct. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess the Academy felt like um, the others were, were better than Bradley Cooper this year. Um, and, and Troy, I think his last name is Kutzer. Kotzer. Kotzer. Troy Kotzer became the first deaf man to receive an acting Oscar nomination for his performance in CODA, which we'll be talking about later in this episode. Yeah. So congratulations to him. And I can say that I can see why. Yeah, definitely. To say the least. But now you're giving um, away. Now you're giving I'm away. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, like, it's already, <laughs> he already got nominated. It's not like, you can't say, well, he wasn't good. <laughs> we know that that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Um, other takeaways. How to, I think we can all applaud to this for in one way, shape, or form. House of Gucci received only one Oscar nom in the in best makeup and hairstyling. Uh, House of Which Gucci was... Which I yes, I, I, um, House of Gucci was you know considered a high uh, film in the Oscar race, and it only walked away with one. Uh, as 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 we said earlier, many people speculated that Lady Gaga was going to win for Best Actress, and Jared Leto was gonna was in the running for Best Supporting Actor. I but Ernesto, I, you know what? <laughs> I thought that they were going to at least get nominated, but you from the get go, since way back we saw it in like November, you're like, that's bullshit. They're not getting anything. They're not getting nothing. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> And you were right. You were right. They like they they knew. It's like you know we're gonna we're gonna we listened to box office binges the other day and and that, that Ernesto guy he knows he knows that you're gonna. I'm not right about bullshit. a lot of things, but I was right about that thing. <laughs> I, I think I think we're both a okay with House of Gucci only getting one Oscar nom. I think it would have been fine if we got zero, but you know what? We'll give them one. We'll give this them is one. the. But you know what? If they were to get one, that would be the one. That would be that the would one. be the one. Or maybe exactly. costume design. Maybe even costume. I would even think costume design. Well, it's funny because um, I mean maybe not. Yeah, I can I can see costume designs, but Cruella got costume design and hair and makeup, which I can totally hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Um, for some reason, a lot of people were lobbying for Spider-Man: No Way Home to be nominated for Best Picture. It's never gonna happen. I don't know why they thought that. I mean, I think when The Dark Knight got it and Black Panther got it, those are one. And a million superhero films that can transcend, uh, you know, through all the all the the, the comic book stuff. Like those those films were masterpieces in yeah, my because, opinion. Because they weren't only just comic book stories; they were centralized, like human stories. They, you know, they try to cut to make it relatable so that the more of the mass can enjoy it. While not yes. saying that. That Spider-Man is not that, but it's still a Marvel film. Like you still have to. It's still a niche thing. Like yes, it's very it's much a huge. So. It's a huge niche audience, but it's compared to like these kind of films. I, it's just. It's not. It's not that it's better. It's just different. It's yes, exactly. That, and the Academy not, doesn't look at not that better, for that because I love. Because yeah. I I love both both things. Like yes. I love some some of the super serious like dramas but i could also love my superhero films while mm-hmm. i do think that some of them have potentials to be nominated i just think we're like maybe i don't know i don't know maybe not for best picture at least not yet yeah i don't i don't not, like not to say that it's not worth it i i don't know i don't know what i'm saying but <laughs> like i don't like i know what i'm saying but i also don't know what i'm saying like i i, I think does it have potential yes but Compared to some of the other things that are out there, like I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't. I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like. I mean, I, I'm with. I'm with the fans. Like, I would love to see a movie oh, that yeah. all the fans love and is making billions of dollars go up there. And like, honestly, I I was probably the two three years ago. I was lobbying for Avengers Endgame to win Best Picture because you're like, they, they did they did the thing. They brought everyone together. Like that that's an achievement. See now that I see now com, now you compare Endgame. To Spider-Man No Way Home, I think Endgame is still – I think Endgame is better just because of everything it took to encapsulate that movie. Absolutely. And also like it, it, it's, it was an achievement in its own right. So like not only were you able to bring all of those actors together and, and, and do it – I think more importantly, do it so well and so beloved that fans enjoy this. And also like if you started with Iron Man, you are rewarded at the end of a 23 long stretch of yes. over the course of 11 years. So like as far as cinematic history to to for the academy it's not even I think it might have gotten nominated for best visual effects, but that's where most of these comic book movies kind of land. Um specifically with Spider-Man No Way Home, it was nominated uh for best visual effects. So it did walk away with one Oscar just as much as House of Gucci, just think about that. Yeah. And uh but at, I feel like and this is maybe where the Academy is a little bit uh, askewed. Sometimes, you know, it, the the that especially for Avengers Endgame, that achievement alone should have been recognized a lot more than it than it at least for me anyway. Yeah, no, see that, and I think that's that's what I'm trying to get at is that like when you compare like, do I think Spider-Man No Way Home is a great movie? Absolutely. I fucking grew up reading Spider-Man comics, so I get it. But when you compare it to something like Endgame, like that is an that's a that's a that's a masterpiece. That's an achievement. Mm-hmm. In it. That movie is an achievement in and itself. Like yeah. that is best picture. That's what I mean when I say that. I don't think that it's yeah. not worth it, but I think in the grand scheme of things, like Endgame would have been is a much better fit for that. And obviously, films are you know the opinions of films are subjective, obviously. Yeah. Um, and but I think that maybe the Academy should you know could benefit from a younger, uh, I guess, a number of staff. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 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 what's the word I'm trying more to diverse. say? A, a, more diverse, but also may, not not diverse in ethnicity, but also diverse in age. Like, you know, also taste I, I feel, and style. Taste, yes, absolutely. Because all a lot of these Oscar movies, like, you can watch a movie and like, oh, yeah, this is a quote-unquote Oscar bait. Like, the, you brought these actors together, and you know they're going to bring their A game and this director and this story to have a great chance of being up for the Oscars so you can win an award. But then again, you have a movie like Spider-Man Endgame where the masses are – I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry, no sorry, sorry. <laughs> wow, I put two things together. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, yeah, and then it's, it's loved by everybody who watched it, even for people even, – even Jacqueline, who had not even watched any of the movies – leading up to it she enjoyed that film as well so like i feel like that needs to be taken into account somewhere when you're looking at these best pictures and it's only every now and then we're like your black panther your the uh, the dark knight or the titanic or the lord of the rings the return of the king um inception where those movies are loved by the fans as well as you know appreciated by the academy and i feel like that is too far few in between when that does happen that's true, very true. Like they, sh- but now to the general conversation, should superhero movies in general be considered like all the other? Well, re- realistically, all movies should be considered. 
but like what mm-hmm. defi- what defines what defines the worth that that lets it go to the Oscars? <laughs> right. Yeah. Again, back to it just being subjective, but I, I do feel like, and then a lot of people were spec, and this is why the speculations came with Spider-Man: No Way Home. Obviously, it's no surprise that the Oscars are losing attendance of people actually watching it. So they figured the rumor was that if they brought in Spider-Man: No Way Home to nominate it for Best Picture, then they think that people would show up to go watch this to see, you know, uh, to they see would. if it actually won or not. And they would have been right. Had yeah. it got nominated, <laughs> that if Spider-Man: No Way Home, No Way Home, gotten got nominated for that, everybody would have watched the Oscars. Oh my God! It would yes, but I think they had a decent attendance when Black Panther got nominated because I know I was definitely interested. It's like Best Picture, you say? Okay, all right, now we're talking. You know, but then it's like we don't. Well, we don't want to nominate it just for that. <laughs> right, and then, and even before the movie came out, a lot of people thought that Eternals was a good option because you had the you know the more recent Chloe Zhao who just won Best Director and Best Picture for her movie Nomadland and then her next movie was coming out was The Eternals so y- you think that okay well this this is going to be something great and it was fine but you know obviously nowhere to be seen in the Oscars that was not in the conversation whatsoever um so regardless Spider-Man No Way Home is up to is up uh got one Oscar nomination it's up for visual effects and it's up against um Free Guy Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Let me get the list here. Uh, Dune, No Time to Die. Yeah, and No Time to Die. No Time to Die, Dune, Free Guy, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Mm. All nominated for visual effects. That's a, also a very interesting category. That's tough. Yeah. I I have my guess because I think I think all but one I think deserves to be up there. And I as far as visual effects are concerned... Um, I don't – No Time to Die. I mean it was it was good, but like compared to the other ones, I feel like – For visual effects? Eh. Right. Yeah, agreed. Unless, like, they, unless, no they did, unless they did a lot of seamless CGI that we didn't see behind. Unless sure. It, unless it was more of recreating things to make them look real, and it's so real that we think that we don't even realize that it's CGI. That's the problem right. with, with some of those too is like you don't even – sometimes you don't even realize how good the CGI is because mm-hmm. it's so because it's so seamless. Exactly. Um, but all the other ones make sense to me. Dune, Free Guy, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man. That makes sense in the yeah. visual effects category. But that's that's a lot of heavy hitters there. Like, I, I have what I think should and will, but that's a conversation for another day, Ooh. to say the least. Tease for the uh, nomination podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the last big takeaway was Flea. You know, you know the movie Flea, Ernesto. You've you've heard of it before. Never, <laughs> never, <okay. laughs> never. Not until not bef- not be- the first time I heard about it was February eighth. <laughs> and February eighth. That's that's conveniently enough when the Oscars dropped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or the Oscar noms got dropped. Uh, Flea surprisingly nabbed a triple nomination. So get this: this Flea is an animated foreign documentary. So technically, it was up for Best Animated Film, Best International Film, and Best Documentary. I was seeing some rumblings about this before the nominations dropped, and it was speculated that it was probably going to get one out of the three, maybe two, but probably not all three. And it surprised everyone when it did get all three. 
So best international film, best animated film, and best documentary. I can definitely say that we're going to be watching this one very soon. Yeah. Yeah. As part of our foreign film of the month, because I'm quite curious of like, well, is it is it worthy of all three? Is it does it do something interesting with animation? Is it a well told documentary? And also, it's considered a film. So, is it a mix between a film and a documentary? I have a lot of questions here, Mesto. Many, many questions. Many, many questions. Yes. Well, I guess we're gonna have to wait till we review it. Obviously, it's already on the docket now. <laughs> Yes, it is on the docket. Uh, and so, and finally, for the final tally of the most of these Oscar noms, uh, the Power of the Dog walked away with 12 Oscar nominations. Dune walked away with 10. Uh, Belfast and West Side Story tied with seven, and King Richard uh, got six nominations. So, definitely by a large margin, uh, the Power of the Dog is definitely a front runner to not only. Um, that that it received all these nominations, but also potentially uh, win some of these. They got to win at least a few of these, to say the least. Um, one more uh, nomination I want to go over that I didn't talk about before was best animated feature, and a few of these we've already seen. Ernesto, uh, Encanto, Flea, we just talked about Luca, the Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Three out of those five, Ernesto, were Disney. Mm-hmm. Just, just, yeah. Putting it out seen, there. I haven't seen um, uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. You should. It is great. I love it. I I think this for me is like, I don't know. I feel like it's a guilty pleasure. No, well, I wouldn't say guilty pleasure, but like I really had a good time watching this movie. Like it's really funny, and I'm glad that it's up here. Um, with with Flea being the surprise, a lot of people thought that uh, Sing 2 was going to get the Oscar nom, but instead Flea got it um, instead. So it's interesting that they went with Flea and not like pretty much an obvious choice like Sing 2. But Sing 2 was fine, you know, maybe not Oscar worthy, but it was fine. Um, But yeah, I definitely recommend you should definitely watch it with your kids. Watch watch the Mitchell's Virtues of the Machine. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. Uh, so there you go. That's our Oscar conversation. Like I mentioned earlier, you can head over to our social media channels at box office under, uh, on Instagram at box office underscore bingers and on Facebook at box office bingers to check out all of the nominations. And this is not the last time we're going to be talking about the Oscars. We're going to be reviewing the movies we haven't seen. We're going to be doing our homework and trying to get watch some of these that we uh, that are now available to us. And uh, later next month, we're going to be having a full episode on the Oscar nominations like we have done every year. And we always have fun doing that, Ernesto. Always a good time. Uh, the winners of the 94th Academy Awards will be announced on Sunday, March 27th. Uh, and will air on ABC at 8 p.m. So there you go to watch all that goodness. Moving on from the award season and to uh, and moving to uh, some casting news, and this one quite interesting. We kind of teased this last week. Sony is reportedly developing a Madam Web solo movie as part of the Sony Universe of Marvel characters with Dakota Johnson in Toxic Star. In the comics, Madam Web is depicted as an elderly woman with what's that word? Uh, Myathena Gravis? My. It, it depicted as an elderly woman with Myasthenia Gravis? I'm. Oh, yeah. it's like. Uh, I'm not sure what that is, actually. 
um, and thus connected to you look that up uh, and thus connected to life support that looked that looked like a spider web, but her power oh. comes from the fact that she is a precognitive mutant. What, what's what, what is that? It's a neuromuscular disease that leads to okay. varying degrees of skeletal muscle muscle weakness. Most commonly affected are the eyes, face, and swallowing. It can cause double vision, dropping eyelids, trouble talking, and trouble walking. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense, and thus connected to life support, which which makes sense. And I guess that life support looks like a spider web, but her power comes from the fact that she is a uh, precognitive mutant. Uh, due to her age and medical condition, Madam Web never actively fought any villains. Uh, however, the events see events see her killed, and her powers and blindness are passed on to Julia Carpenter, a young woman initially known as the first Spider Woman. These events see Carpenter take up the mantle and become the second Madame Web. For that reason, sources have speculated it's possible the project could turn into that direction. Ernesto, that was a lot to process there, but your thoughts on a movie kind of on that idea? Well, to be honest, like I thought she. I always thought that Madame Web was a cool character from the '90s cartoon. I, I wasn't, I didn't know about the um, the Spider Woman thing until recently, and I was I was talking to somebody about the um, about the news that had come out. Um, so it's it's very obvious. I mean, she's young, from what mm-hmm. I remember. I, I remember Madame Web as an old woman, and she would like she would like talk to Peter Parker and stuff. So mm. I'm really interested to see where this is going to go. And maybe this, she, once she gets her powers, she'll be able to know about Peter and before everything and before everything that's happened. So maybe there, there'll be some connection or some crossover there. Yeah. Insiders say due to her, um, psychic sensory powers, she's essentially Sony's version of Dr. Strange. Um, I feel that that's really interesting to go with a movie with this direction, uh, as as opposed to you have a lot of other Spider-Man villains and characters you can choose from, like Black Cat, Spider-Woman. We know that uh, Craven the Hunter is getting his own show, a movie that we're going to talk about in a second, um, and uh, we know that Venom is doing successful. So I feel like Madam Web is a very obscure character just to pull from to give her her own solo movie. And Dakota Johnson's a very good actress um, when she's not doing Fifty Shades. Unless Sony is, they're just setting up their own little Spider-Man. They're just creating their own little mini MCU of Spider-Man. They've already got, they yeah. got Morbius. They got Venom. Mm-hmm. Like they're dropping, they're dropping them in here and there. Like they're, they're, they're becoming their own self. They're exploring their own self-contained thing. And if they, they're going to do Craven's last hunt, Oh, that's such a fucking great storyline. That that can ha- that can be on its own for a movie. Hell yeah, absolutely. What what is that? I mean, I, you, that, can, it, I it, guess you can spoil well, it. Well, I want to but it's it's Craven hunting Spider Man. Oh, okay, I see, I see. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah, well, that would be a good. But I I mean, I don't know what this movie will be about. It's interesting that he's getting his own movie, um, but. I feel like right now we're in an interesting position with Spider-Man. Exactly where does Tom Holland fit into this? Are we going to – a lot of people are speculating that they're just going to throw back in 
Andrew Garfield because of all the love that he got from No Way Home. Maybe uh, Tobey Maguire can go back into the suit and kind of participate in some of these other movies. Or we can get, um, you know, start Miles Morales up and he can headline these Sony Spider-Man movies. Like, a well, lot of possibilities here. Well, they've already, see, but here now they're already doing, they've already, they already got their Miles Morales, the animated one. Like, and that is mm-hmm. such, that's such a good movie. Like that first one. Yeah. There are, and obviously, you know, the second one's already slated to come out. Um that's a great movie on its own. So like, and I think their plan is to, at least what it seems like that they're going to work Miles Morales into the MCU. Yes. As part, as and, part of those movies. It's We are very, as far as Spider-Man's concerned, we are in an interesting position. We don't know exactly where this is going to go. You know, you know, as far as we know that Sony's making a whole bunch of their movies and we know that, uh, Marvel's doing their own thing, but they want to include Spider-Man, but there's deals and contracts and money and who knows exactly how far the rabbit hole we can go down. I mean, we we can talk about this forever, but it's interesting to see where they are deciding to make these movies off of. I'm um, here for it. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's nerd shit, so we're going to watch it regardless. <laughs> uh <laughs> S.J. Clarkson is attached to direct the film. She has previously directed episodes of Heroes, Dexter, The Defenders, Jessica Jones, and Succession. Mm. So she is no stranger to the drama and superhero genre. Uh, that's for sure. Especially with Dexter and Succession going against the Defenders and Jessica Jones. I mean, come on. I know. It's an that's... interesting little list there. The only, my only thing is, is Dakota Johnson. It's just... Like there's she's and it's not that she's not good. It's just the only thing that I know her from is Fifty Shades, and those mm-hmm. are like maybe like or maybe to like going talking about Kristen Stewart again. Like maybe that like that's her Twilight. Like that was like very early yeah. in her career. It was tied to a very popular book series, um, but maybe she's grown as an actress. I, mean, I I've seen her in other movies, but every time I look at those movies, I don't think that's she was great. Like she's she's not a standout to me. Like I I don't see her as like the thing that I remember when I when I finished the movie. It's like oh she was in the movie. Nice. Mm. Uh, and and that's it. Unless they use her uh, movie. Unless they use her movie and as like a backdoor pilot for a bunch of other shit. Probably. <laughs> I mean, if she can connect to the other Spider Mans, then yeah, I could totally see that. Well, it's that's like, okay. well, that's a lot of it too. Is that she can connect to them in different in different parts. In, mm-hmm. in different in different in different places and different time periods so she can talk to all of them i mean and that's that's interesting in itself like this this sounds like i mean relating it to dr strange this sounds like sony's version of multiverse of madness that we can talk to a whole bunch of different <laughs> spider-mans um but yeah anyway that that's coming up the uh the screenplay will be written by matt sazama and burke sharpless the writing duo behind the 2017 Power Rangers film and the creators of the Netflix series Lost in Space that was uh, from 2018 to 2021. So they've, again, no stranger to... I mean, definitely Lost in Space. That's a very um, popular sci-fi series. I didn't so see it, but they, I've, heard, I've heard good things. Yeah, I'd never seen it either, but a, a lot of people rave about it. Agreed. Um, but yeah, so that's in the works... I, you know, we, we have our own love for the Power Rangers movie in 2017. I know we saw it together. I liked it. 
Yeah, so did I. You know, people hate on it. I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was a it was a good time to me. I had a good yeah. time watching the had movie. A good time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it definitely has a you know an interesting director, a lot of TV in the works. We have a, a writing staff that um, is you know is, is known for creating a whole series. So I think there's potential. There's definitely potential here. Obviously, we have to wait and see exactly what comes out of this and what what's the end game. That's basically what I want to know. Like, what, what's your plan? Because yeah. this seems a little odd. This doesn't like resonate with me. Like, oh, this makes sense of making this into a movie because I don't see it. Um, in addition to this news, apparently Russell Crowe will star alongside Aaron Taylor Johnson in Sony's Craven the Hunter film in an unknown role. Uh, rumors say that many of the main characters are said to be Craven's family members. Uh, Craven the Hunter is slated for a January 13th, 2023 release, which is in about a year or so. So, Ernesto, from your knowings of Craven's The Last Hunt, uh, does do you see a lot of his family members in that comic book series? Um, I'm not. I, all I know is like the few interact those few inter comics interactions. I don't like know his whole backstory. I'm I'm here for okay. It. Like and I could see Russell Crowe as Craven. I could, I could I mean, see him a, as Craven. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I see him as yeah. Craven the Hunter, but unless they're just not, they're not ready to drop that news yet. Well, I mean, Russell Crowe is a little bit older. That's true too. Uh, Maybe he plays his he, daddy. <laughs> sure. Which I guess, I guess, best best case scenario, if you can't get Russell Crowe to play Craven the Hunter, if you can play his dad, I guess that's good enough too. Oh no, but, but I think. I think it's already announced that Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to be Craven. No, no, he is. Yeah, that, yeah. that's already announced. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm saying is that I can totally see in a different world, Russell Crowe would make a good Craven the Hunter. I can yeah, totally they, they see that. If they had made this movie 10 or 15 years ago, he would have been easily been a Craven. Yes. But he also has that, like, for some reason, he has, like, that werewolf, like, personality. I'm not sure. Yeah, that the beard. It has to be the beard, right? It's the beard. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I can totally see it. But anyway, Russell Crowe is going to be in that movie. Uh, that's coming very soon in 2023. I think filming is sometime this year. So we should be getting a lot more details on this film and what exactly it's about and where does it fit with all this nonsense. Who knows, if Morbius is going to answer any questions, because I saw a lot of questions on that, and that's been teased to us for years now. So <laughs> we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Um, moving on from the Marvel talk, Aquaman star Jason Momoa has officially been initiated in, initiated into the Fast Family. <laughs> he, he will star opposite Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto in the Fast and the Fear uh, and the Fast and Furious crew in the upcoming tenth installment of the High Octane franchise. The team officially welcomed Momoa into the crew via social media with a post uh, with a post captioned, "The Ferris family keeps getting bigger." <laughs> uh, Jason Momoa is in talks to play the villain. This movie is due to hit theaters May nineteenth, twenty twenty three. Does this surprise you at all, Ernesto? Well, no. I mean, he just got <laughs> shit on publicly by The Rock. For not wanting to come back, so he needed it. He needed it. He needed a W, and he got yeah. one. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like I feel like every movie they bring in like this ridiculous actor that every time, like what was it? You had The Rock in five, right? And then you brought in Luke Evans for six, which was like okay, he was not The Rock level, but sure. Um, 
he played Gaston, so I guess he could be the villain in, in Fast and Furious 6. Uh, and then you get Fast 7, you get Jason Statham, and you're like, all right, no, I, I guess I see that. I'm listening. And then, <laughs> I'm listening. And then Epis, then uh, 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 Fast 8, you get Charlize Theron, and you're like, all right, I can see that, you know, as the villain. And then Fast 9, they give you John Cena, and you're like <laughs> – all right. Yeah. <laughs> and now you got Jason like Jason Momoa is like, all right. He's just <laughs> and guess what? He's gonna join. He's gonna be the bad guy, and then he's gonna be part of the family. <laughs> it's like it's writing itself, isn't it? Like because John Cena's storyline. Tell him the story. <laughs> number one, cast a big muscle guy. Check. All right, now making the villain. Okay, now at the end, make him part of the family. <laughs> the movie's actually all about everybody's induction into the family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and how they were once the villain. <laughs> yeah, they're the hero. <laughs> now, like I want to know, like, what, what? Where's the um, like, where's the Emperor Palpatine? Where's the, where's the Sith in all of this? Like, well, where's... I guess I guess in the last one we got the what is it? I don't remember the organization. I don't remember. I don't remember what their name was but some convoluted bad guy group the one that we yes. didn't know what they because we didn't really fly we didn't finish them i guess they're for the next they're for the 10th one i wonder right. if vin diesel is gonna put a throwaway line in there to shit on the rock like in yeah, the, somewhere I'm in the sure. movie there'll be one line he's gonna be like oh what about well, well he was he was hobbs right yeah he was hobbs yeah he's like oh Hob- where happened to hobbs oh fuck that guy he died yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> opening the, opening you, scene is him being blown up in a plane or something. <laughs> it's my franchise, bitch. <laughs> Guess what? That's the I don't care how many Hobbs and Shaw's movie. That's where your story ends. <laughs> I never approved the Hobbs and Shaw franchise. <laughs> This franchise is ridiculous. I love every minute of it. It's it's yeah. it's it's my soap opera. I'm gonna keep watching it. Are you gonna go see it next year? <clears throat> of course, I'm gonna go see it. Of course. <laughs> why why would I not? I'm, I, at this point, I've made it this far. We have two more to go. We, we gotta see how to go. it ends. There's gonna there's a, you, there's, there's eleven. There's gonna there's be ele- more. This, there's there's <laughs> gonna be more. <laughs> what do you mean? And plus all the side stories, like that's just gonna True. be the end. That might just be the end of the storyline. They're gonna have you more know, I... movies in Star Wars. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, you know, it's fun. I think this is honestly, I think this is a, a backdoor pilot for Aquaman to meet the Fast family. So then we're just gonna go diving in, like <laughs> next one underwater, underwater. Fast visits Atlantis, and then they're just. <laughs> They, they already went to space. We're just going down. They were just going we're in the going water. To the this Mariana time. Trench, the deepest place on Earth. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it's just, it makes sense. They, they already shot a car into space. <laughs> they shot a car into space for no reason. They drove on ice for no. What, what's what's stopping them from you know having a, a, an action scene underwater? It's gonna. Have, it's only a matter of time. We're focused on Back to the Future and Transformers and Jurassic World. No, 
It's the water. That's where this franchise you know is what going. The, you know what the next level is? Is for somebody to get powers. Somebody somebody in the in the story gets superpowers and they become a superhero or something. They just need a serum. It's not that hard. They've done it. <laughs> if Captain America can do it, so can Vin Diesel. He's already a superhero. Yeah. He drowns. He, he drowns like 50 feet under. He gets pulled. Or he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. He's like, like we all think it's a villain. Like Jason Moe's the villain. No, he he's 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 the hero. He's Aquaman. He's in the yeah. movie. Yeah. He's coming in as with the fucking Triton. He's in it. He's, he's gonna save Vin Diesel. He's like, stop drowning, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my all god. Right. Moving on from that. Um, also speaking of The Rock, Chris Evans will join The Rock. Uh, sorry, Chris Evans will join Dwayne Johnson in the Amazon Studios' upcoming original holiday film, Red One. The film is described as a globe-trotting four-quadrant action-adventure comedy, imagining a whole new universe to explore within the holiday genre. Red One will be directed by Jake Kasdan, who directed the Jumanji movies uh, that also starred Dwayne Johnson. And it will be written by Chris Morgan, which, funny enough, is the writer of Fast 3 through 8 and Hobbs and Shaw. This film is an early development, so a release date and plot and everything like that is unknown. But... He's written some good I mean, movies, so... He has. I mean, I mean definitely... Good, I mean, those are good action movies. They're definitely. I mean, we're definitely going for action. That's yeah. for sure. Um, what do you? I think the more interesting. There's two interesting things here. Dwayne Johnson acting against Chris Evans. I think. I think that could be interesting. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen. Have Have they ever been in anything else together? No, no, not that I can yeah, think of. Interesting. I think. I think they're gonna pair really well. I mean, they're both like. They're kind of like the same kind of person. Like very big name actors who are like big in stature. <laughs> yeah, like it's a- acting quality is very very similar, very much on the same level. I mean, he well, Chris Evans is Captain America. I mean, yes. there's that. I mean, The Rock is like name a, everything else. Name an action <clears throat> hero in movie in the past ten years, and it's probably got The Rock's name on it. <laughs> Pretty much. And it, it, it's interesting that the Chris Evans is um, like, I, I mean, I always it's, it's hard to disassociate him from Captain America. So when we see when we saw Knives Out, that was a very different role for him. But since then, I don't think he's been in much. I think he's been obviously filming a lot of other movies. He's going to be in The Gray Man, I believe, that's coming out on Netflix later this year. So we get to see him in a different role. Um, but, you know, he we haven't seen much from him since Endgame. And his, you know, his stunt on with with Captain America. So I'm really to see, I'm ready to see him branch out and see what movies he selects. Um, and going starring against Dwayne Johnson for me, this feels like Red Notice over on Netflix. Like him going against Ryan Reynolds is like, okay, you found your counterpart for this action comedy that you're developing. I mean, so after Endgame, he did the the right after he did some movie called The Red Sea Diving Resort. Oh, that's right. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Now, what kind of style was that kind of movie? It was like a like a a, a, a thriller drama. It was it was like a he. It was based on a true story. Israel's Mossad's agents attempt to rescue Ethiopian Jews refuse and oh, this is like a true story. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's a drama, but also like a little bit of a thriller too. But this is like a total. So this is oh, playing against oh, Michael Kenneth Williams. Oh man, rest in peace. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it's a Netflix movie. Yeah, you, sh- kinda, you should watch it. It, look, it. it looks kind of intense. <laughs> It, it it was it was intense and also like it's uh because they start building the red what was it called the the, the red, red diving sea, the red sea diving resort yeah so that was a front to to you know to smuggle the refugees out of the out of the country yeah and then he did knives out and then he did defending Jacob which was like totally different oh that's right I yeah. I didn't even watch that series you did yeah I did it was it was it was good. I didn't really care for the ending, but the 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 series itself was good. And then he was in Free Guy. He was in oh, Don't for Look like Up. Oh, like a cameo. He did he cameo in yeah. Don't Look Up. Yes, yes he, he did. did. He was. Yes, right. he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you talked about the Gray Man, the Red One, and then something else called Ghosted. Go. Okay, interesting. I don't know about Ghosted, but With yeah, I Anna know that. Armas and Adrian Brody. Oh, okay, interesting. Plot Director. Wraps. Director is Dexter Fletcher. Let's see what else has he directed. He directed Rocket Man. He directed Eddie the Eagle. Oh, I love Eddie the Eagle. That's a great movie. Uh, he's directed. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Wild Bill, Rocket Man. Never heard of it. Sherlock, and he's directing Sherlock Holmes three. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. So obviously, I think we're gonna be seeing a lot of Chris Evans soon. I think. I want to say that the red one is slated for this Christmas, this holiday season. So Amazon, you can catch it on Amazon on twenty, the end of this year. Um, but yeah, this, this, I mean, this checks out as far as we don't, we're not really. Um, there's not a lot of holiday action movies, uh, but you know, I guess they're trying to develop a genre that's not really there. I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, if you want to count Die Hard or. Um, because that's considered an action Chris, uh, holiday movie. Die Hard um, is most definitely a Christmas <clears throat> movie. Um, you know what? In some ways, Jingle All the Way has a little action in it. Why not? Yeah. It's, it's more of a it's comedy. An, it's like an adventure story. Kind yeah, of. exactly. So, yeah, it's going to fit right in there. But anyway, Dwayne Johnson, Chris Evans, holiday action. It's coming to Amazon. Uh, and speaking of Amazon and our last story of this week, Amazon is hiking the price for Prime membership in the U.S. with the annual fee jumping from 119 to 139. That's an additional an additional twenty dollars. This uh, it's the first increase in nearly four years. In addition, the monthly fee for Prime is rising uh, from 12.99 to 14.99. For new Prime members, the latest price change will go in effect February 18th of 2022. For current Prime members, new prices will apply after March 25th, 2022, on the date of their next renewal. Uh, Ernesto, lucky for me, my renewal date is March 22nd. Uh, mm. That's three days before the new price, so I will be submitting my, uh, my renewal. I'll be renewing. Oh, so you already renewed? Yeah, I already renewed. So, so you you got a we're good, yes. And I got it three days before, so I'm also good. I'm not going to be seeing that new price until next year. Um, uh, the hike does not apply though for Amazon's standalone Prime Video option, uh, which remains at $8.99 per month. So, if you just want Amazon Prime and you're not a fan of the overall uh, Prime membership uh, price hike, you can go down and just get the streaming service for 8.99 a month uh which i did not which know that bad. was a thing 
Which is not bad. No, I, I agree. <clears throat> but Excuse me. Obviously yeah. sucks that they're jacking up the prices. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I thought... Um, I, 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 to me, this was news that they even had an, a separate option for their streaming service. I thought it was just like, look, you got Prime, you get free shipping, you get the you get the streaming services. It was like a bundle. I thought yeah. that's basically what it was. Uh, but I, you know, if again, if you didn't like the price hike, then you know you can save a couple bucks and um, get just get Prime if you're enjoying um, Prime Video. And so there you go. That's all the news we have for you guys this week. As always, you can head over to our social media channels for all of the latest and breaking news. Um, so with that, Ernesto, we're going to go over to a fun segment we like to call What You're Watching. So what have you been watching? Um, like, literally nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I tried to watch The Lost Daughter, and I fell asleep. I, f- I fell mm-hmm. asleep, like, first 15 minutes in. It's not that it was bad. I think I just I tried to watch it when I was tired. But mm-hmm. I guess that's mainly because I have been, like, hardcore binging Lucifer. Like, I'm already into mm-hmm. the last season. Because oh, shit. Season five finale and the episodes leading up to it were like really, really intense. Like it was to the point where I was watching and then it started getting good and I, and I was like, I like stopped. I was like stopping what I was doing for like a whole episode. Like yeah, <laughs> it, it it was that good. It locks like it's you build up to just a very well deserved season finale in season five. Mm. So like, now you're in the last season. Now I'm in the last season, which <clears throat> it feels like like. Season five, at least how it seems now, like season five is like a finale, and then season six is like an epilogue. Oh, a whole season for an epilogue. That's interesting. Yeah. Because of yeah, well, I won't give it away because it's it's yeah, still yeah. it's it actually it, I mean it has it's, hasn't been out it hasn't been out not even a year yet, but it's definitely worth a watch. Like you definitely okay. Like you need to you need to give it a watch. We're uh and we're still we're back on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Nice. How um, how far how far did you get there? We are in season six. I think we just we're in the beginning of season oh. six. Okay, so have you have you done the the network switch yet? I don't. Uh, I, I, think I think season so. six because they ended with season eight, and I think they did three seasons with NBC. So I think you have. I think I think so. I think so though. This the well, the, recent, the most recent thing <clears throat> yeah. that we saw is um amy had a she thought that she was pregnant oh okay so we're so we're already past the wedding oh yeah oh yeah yeah. We're okay yeah we're past that oh and captain holt just got demoted demoted okay 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 so my one of my favorite episodes was actually the season six episode one when they went on their honeymoon and Captain Holt was also <laughs> <Yes>. there. And <laughs> I think one of the best jokes that they have ever done with the best payoff, I'm not sure if you remember, it could have been fresh because you just watched it, the the ABCs always be coconutting. Do, do you remember? No, I, I that? saw that maybe, I saw that one maybe like maybe like a couple weeks ago. Because we're okay, in the so middle of season six then. Middle of season six, okay. But the joke was that on uh, their honeymoon, they're going to be ABCing uh always be coconutting yeah and then and so then there was then holt kind of got into the mix and then amy was like um i think we got the holt situation uh figured out so now this b wants a c in her a and then <laughs> <laughs> and so jake peralta was like oh my god he's like what what you thought i said and and then like the the show bleeped it out 
And then she goes, oh, no. She's like, she's like, this babe needs a coconut in her arms. And she goes, oh, okay. I, that's, that, okay that's what I thought you said. And, <laughs> and I died. <laughs> because, because you thought the same thing I thought when I said this bee needs a C in her A. Like, yes. that's – exactly. So <laughs> the fact that that was set up from in the beginning of the episode where it says we always be coconut in the ABCs. Genius, Class. yeah, that was genius good. writing. That's hilarious. I, I must have missed that. That, yeah, that was, to me that was by far one of the better jokes. If you don't, if you you know what I'm talking about, season six, episode one. It's just watch the episode. It's a it's like halfway through the joke lands. Uh, but yeah, is that all you've been watching? Yeah, and the movie. That's all you got. <laughs> That's and, all the, and the movie. Week. Yes, of course. Um, so I've. We're, we're watching a lot of TV, so my list is also rather short. Um, but I did, Ernesto, get a chance to watch The Last Night in Soho, the uh, Edgar Wright. Yeah, I wanted to see that. Yeah, I, I rent. It's not available on streaming yet. I rented it from Redbox actually, because I, you know, I saw it, it was available. I'm like, I really want to see this movie. Um, and it's in it. It's interesting. I feel like it's one of those movies where like I don't want to tell you anything because. I feel like the less I, <laughs> you know, what? it's good, but the the ending, like I feel like there was a lot of mystery and suspense, and it was a thriller, and like the acting was solid. And it's like the whole time I'm thinking, like, what the fuck is going on here? Like I don't, I don't know what's happening. And then when the pieces started coming together, I feel like the ride was better than the payout. Like I, I think that it just didn't quite stick the landing for me but i enjoyed getting there but i didn't love how we ended that's unfortunate yeah that doesn't so like you want to go watch it then well i mean but but it's still good though because like they it's still a mystery it's still a suspense it's still a thriller so you still get the feels but it's like and i and i like the ending but maybe i had a better one in my head like it just didn't stick the landing 100% as I wanted it to. Mm. Uh, but Edgar Wright is still a fantastic director. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy was in it. She was fantastic. Um, I forgot the the main lead, um, what her name was, but she was in um, uh, she was in Jojo Rabbit. She played Thomas one of the kids McKenzie? there. <clears throat> Thank you, yeah. She played a very innocent character. And in all of her movies, she was very innocent. She was actually in The Power of the Dog. She was one of the she was one of the um, the the hands in the power of the dog in the in the house like one of the maids oh. in the house. Oh, Matt Smith is in it too. Yes, yes, he was a uh, small role, but he was in it. I, well, actually, no, a little bit, little bit. No, he's a little bit bigger. Um, but yeah, like visually, also like there are some movies like I'm like I, I think I'm watching a horror film. Like I wasn't expecting a horror element to it, and like some of the images are just creepy. Like I like I. You, they'll haunt you in your sleep. Like you don't <laughs> want to see that. It was it was good, but like I was like, uh, like I watched that right before I went to bed, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I should sleep with the light on tonight. I, don't know <laughs> I need to watch my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I gotta watch you know I gotta watch something lighter <laughs> when I go to bed. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, it's just the ending didn't really quite stick the landing for me. Um, we finished Only Murderers in the Building and? with Steve Martin. You know, you know what? I, I it turned it turned around second half of the sh- of the series. I was I was okay. quite surprised with how it like my my thought 
going into it was it like I feel like a complete 180 on this on the back half of the show. I feel like they were able to have a better understanding of the characters. I was less uh, distracted by Selena Gomez, um, and um, and the story started flowing a lot easier. And it was you know Steve Martin and, and uh, Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short are great together as always. And I think the story that they were telling ended up being a it was it it it, it, it kind of like the opposite of the last night in Soho where. The beginning was a little rough, but it stuck the landing for me on only murders in the building. And it also, there was a cliffhanger for season two, which I was, I was, I was about. I was like, oh, okay, that's an interesting. I wasn't expecting that way to go. So, okay, I, I, I think you would enjoy it. It's, it's a little bit of a rough start. Like you, you gotta like mm. feel for it because once you, once you get it, then I feel like okay, I, I, I get, I get what we're doing here, and then, then it became fun to watch. We'll see. <laughs> Oh, and the last thing I watched, I watched the entirety of the Book of Boba Fett. I was behind a while, um, and then I caught up. I wanted to, I want to watch everything for the finale, and um, and the finale was just yesterday, and so I had binged episodes one through six leading into the finale, and then I watched the finale, and um, you know what? I I enjoyed it. Like I'm not sure exactly what I that really wanted from the show. <laughs> it was, <laughs> Like I'm really selling it, man. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I, before I, I say what am my piece, what, what do you want? What do you expect from this show? I'll, I'll start there. Well, I kind of expect to at least it needs to explain what happened to him after he's supposed to be dead after okay after what happens in the movie, and then I mean, if he has his own series, I'm assuming he becomes of like an anti-hero, so like he becomes somewhat good, so maybe. It's his journey to like leave the bounty hunter life and become a like some sort of hero to help out or something. I, I mean, I don't know. I just don't understand why he has his helmet off. Isn't the whole thing is to keep the helmet on? Well, yes. I mean, we're not going to dive into that, but technically, the Mandalore religion, the one that the you know Mando follows, you're not allowed to take your helmet off. Yes. But Boba was never really raised that way. He kind of goes on his own path. So, That's true. but a, a lot of people do complain that his helmet is off a lot, <laughs> where he never took it off in the original series, uh, the you know the, the three films that he was in, and obviously he was a kid in the prequels, so that doesn't really count as far as helmet on or off. Um, and his dad had his helmet off in the prequels a lot as well. So, you know, take that. And but also at the same time, that was played by the same actor. The 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 guy who played the father in the 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 prequel series is the same guy who's playing his son <laughs> in Boba Fett. Well, yeah, because of the story. You're right, exactly because, because of, the, because of the, story. the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the as far as the series go, I, I think what you're what you're asking for, and this is why I think is maybe a little bit hard to kind of review it, is because yes, they did that. They did tell me what happened after the events of the Return of the Jedi. It kind of catches us up with where we are at the end of season two of The Mandalorian, <clears throat> because at the end of The Mandalorian season two, he kills the the uh, the guy who is sitting in Jabba the Hutt's chair, who is running the you know the crime lord organization, and he sits in the chair. And he's like, "I'm the captain now," and so that's so. 
you're getting a mix between what is happening in present day and what and what his past was to get him to the present day. Mm, so there's a lot if of that back makes and forth. sense. A lot a lot of back and forth, exactly. And so me personally, I felt that the um, the past stuff were was more engaging than the story they were trying to tell today, mm. like in the present. Like th- like that to me, that was more interesting dealing with his past and like how did he get to where he is today way more interesting than all the nonsense that he was dealing with in the present so i'm like 50 50 with the series because you have some really good storytelling for the the stuff that happened in the past but then the present felt like it was from a different writer because it didn't resonate that well then the it didn't connect yeah and then and I'm sure once you watch the show, Ernesto, and for people who have watched it and, and seen all of it, the show, the, the series is seven episodes long. And I'm not going to give anything away. I'm not going to spoil anything. But you had four episodes of Boba. And then there are two episodes in there that has nothing to do with the character. <laughs> and and so you're like, wait, what? Like, like he's not all, even like... it. He's not even in it. Like he, like I think he's in like one frame in episode six, but he doesn't speak, and so you're like, this show is called the Book of Boba Fett, right? Not the chapters of Boba Fett. Like, <laughs> it's it's a whole it's a whole book. Yeah, it's supposed to be <laughs> all, all about sudden, him. <laughs> it's all about him, right? And in the first four episodes, it was, and they and they introduced elements in those episodes where you're like. Okay, then, then we're gonna see this, and it's gonna pay off into this. And you're like, they're like, nah. But wouldn't you rather see this instead? And in hindsight, the answer is yes. I would love to see that instead because I loved episode five and six. But as far as the show as a whole, I'm like as much as I loved five and six, what the fuck are you doing in this show? Because you have no no business being here. Now, was it did they use those two episodes to backdoor pilot another? like introducing another character into the star Wars universe. I wouldn't say introducing. I say that it will continue a story, uh, mm. that we already know. And so continue it, a story. We already know. Correct. Okay. So I'm not sure if that's giving anything away. I'm but... kind of, I think is it, I don't know her name. The, um, the, the actress who plays Mulan, whoever her character, I don't know her character name. Oh no, no, she, she's in the series. She's yeah. in it a bunch. Like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, you can she, just tell so me. not, not, is it, or I, does it give something, does it give it stuff away? I, I, I won't, okay. I'll, I'll spoil episode five. I'm not going to spoil episode six because that's okay. a, that's a real treat. But in episode five, it's all about Mando. It's, it's <laughs> really, yes. <laughs> like so... the, the whole, ep- it's, it's almost like, Hey, you watched Mandalorian season two. I did watch the Mandalorian season two, and it was one and two. And they're like, "Don't you want to know where Mando is?" Well, sure. Yeah, I I, I would love to know what he's doing. You got it. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> here you here's are. An, here's an extra episode of the Mandalorian. It pretty much. It's almost like this is uh, the Mandalorian season three episode zero in in the Book of Boba movie. I'm sorry, in the, in the Book of Boba series. But and you're like crossover in the episode. They, not in that episode, no. Oh, okay, okay. Not in that episode. I, it, they, there is, they do meet upon the finale. So he's, so Mando is part of the finale in episode seven. Um, but you're like, 
So it's basically okay, okay. more of the Mandalorian. Just we're explore. We just we spent the first half of the season exploring another character. Yeah, but then like, at this point, <laughs> you, at, at, honestly, at this point, you're like, well, then why do you just call this the Mandalorian season three? And we got a backstory on Boba. That's I feel like that's a story you really wanted to tell all along. Like, that, been, um, that, that actually sounds better. <laughs> and and you know what? I would have been perfectly fine when okay, you have the Mandalorian episode, sure. The next episode, and, and and if the next episode was about him, okay, now you're you're meeting with Boba. There is a conflict that needs to be resolved, and the finale, you deal with that conflict. That seems like the the logical next step in this. Yeah. But then you had episode six, and you're like, well, why why are you here? Why are you? <laughs> Why, like you now? Now you've officially told the Mandalorian season three, episode two, because because <laughs> because you just told episode one and, and episode five, and now season the the if this was the Mandalorian, episode five and six would be episode season three, one and two. Mm-hmm. Like that's a clear. It almost felt like they wanted to like continue the story of the Mandalorian, but we didn't want to wait another year for it, so we yeah. just gave it to you now. And then on top of all that, I feel like it felt like they had a five-episode arc for Boba Fett. But you 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 told them you were going to make seven episodes. So you're like, well, fuck, what are we going to do with these other two? I got it. We bring Mando. back Mando. <laughs> Mando, come, come on. We need you. We need you. And so as much as I loved the episode five and six, and I love seeing those characters back into the fray, um, you're like, but what are you doing here, man? This, <laughs> this makes no sense. And then you get the finale, which is action packed. It, you know, uh, it resolves. Um, I wouldn't say, well, it, it deals. I wouldn't say resolve, but it, it it deals with the conflict. There's an action packed stuff. You get a cameo from a very popular character from the Clone Wars, which is very exciting. Oh, I um, think it's I th- the Clone Wars cartoon, right? Yes, the Clone I've Wars seen, cartoon. I've seen, you know, comicbook.com. So the everything. Oh, yeah, it's okay, all so, over. So you, I've seen the. I don't okay. I actually don't know who the character is, but I've seen like. But you've seen they the have image. like they have like side by side image comparisons of how of how crazy accurate they got it. Okay, all right. So yeah, so that that character's in there, which was a nice, pleasant surprise for me because I've watched all of the Clone Wars uh, series, and he's a great character. So excited to see him in a live action form. But so like. The season, like the season finale, kind of bridges all those stories together into what a finale would does. You know, you know, you set up everything like that. But part of me feels like, well, if this show was called The Book of Boba, we could have had two episodes dealing with Boba Fett. And like, there are certain elements that were introduced in the first half of the season that you kind of just rushed into the finale. And in my eyes, like, you didn't have to rush it. You had two more episodes to tell your story effectively so why why did you put those two random episodes in there that felt like it should have been episodes in a different show so at the end of the day i like the stories that they told some of it in the present day didn't really work out i loved the other episodes that they gave us had nothing to do with boba fett and we kind of just put it all together at the end so i liked what i saw i enjoyed what i watched but i it just kind of garners a lot of questions of like the decisions behind some of these uh, moves that you did. So now, do you I, want a season two? No, I want I want season three of The Mandalorian. Like I think, like if you couldn't tell me an effective story within the book of Boba Fett that you had to drag in The Mandalorian to tell to continue the story, then I feel like that okay, 
now I feel like now the Boba Fett can be featured in the Mandalorian season three. He does not need a season two of his own show because clearly you didn't have enough story to tell him in his own show. I feel like it needs to be a prequel. It needs to be, it needs to be about his bounty hunting days. That that's what people want to see. That's what people think are mm-hmm. so fascinating of him being this badass bounty hunter. That's what people want to see. Yeah, you know what? And again, like when they were dealing with the past stuff, like in literally the events after the Return of the Jedi, that was good stuff. They should have just told that in a linear story. Like let let's see that play out. Let's give me give me more of that because that was the interesting stuff. But they kept going back and forth with this the present day, and then you're like, well, that's not as not as engaging as you know the other stuff. So I'm like fifty fifty with the show, but ultimately I enjoyed what I watched. Um, I just felt like there was a couple of questions that I was you know I was I was questioning the motives behind a lot of what they were doing you know, with within the series. And I felt like they could have re- definitely rearranged and went in different directions, but I, I, <clears throat> I liked it. it. It was, it was good. Some of it was, you know, it, it was good. It was good, uh, but not as good as the Mandalorian. That that's for sure. And clearly, cause we got him back. <laughs> so uh, anyway, there you go. That's all I've been watching. Um, all right. So now we're going to, uh, now we're going to be diving into our spoiler review which is the spoiler review of the week, I should say, uh, which is uh, the Oscar-nominated film Coda. So, Ernesto, we'll start with you. What did you think of the movie? Man, I love this movie. It was so, so good. Like, great balance between drama and comedy, and the singing was absolutely, like, phenomenal. That, to me, that was like... I mean, the whole story within itself is... The coda, which stands for child of a, of deaf adults, like she um she has this beautiful singing voice, and her entire family is deaf. It's like they can't even hear, like they don't even know this beautiful gift that you have, and you're working on this boat, like trying to help your family succeed. Um, but I think I mean it told a beautiful story of like like dealing with you know balancing the need for personal growth and also dealing with family responsibilities her wanting to take her singing career and help her deaf family with their fishing with their fishing business like i mean i love there's so many great aspects you have the brother who like wants to be a savior but he doesn't want to be you know they look at her as like the easy fix to to try to to take care of everything in the family but he wants but him being the older brother like wants to be that person you know and you we see that blowout in that scene where he when he's upset and he leaves and she goes to find him and he tells her it's like you know we lived we were able to get by before you were here and it's it came off like very like dickish but like he had a like in 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 a way he had a point because like he's being a dick about it but like he wanted to see he also wants to see his sister like go off and be able to go off and do her own thing like she doesn't have to stay here and work for the family business and, and that's the sad part about this movie i i, I mean i agree with you I, I loved i loved this movie it was very heartbreaking in a lot of different facets um and it was very heartwarming in others like as as much as i felt sorry and felt sad for this character i also felt like she is loved in, in other regards too, like even like the the boyfriend in the in the movie 
Or I guess it would. I guess the love interest. I should say, not really the boyfriend. Well, um, I guess. Well, I, the I, end. I guess they laid, toward the end, yeah. But he was like my like he was kind of jealous of the family that she had because they were always doing things together and wanting to do things together. Whereas she didn't see it that way. It's like no, this family as of right now in my state of mind is a burden because I feel like I need to be there for them because I'm basically their interpreter and I'm their their ears. And they, you know, and, and that's, that's the hard part that, that that's like the heartbreaking part. It's like you want to succeed, but you don't want to disappoint your family. And it's, uh, it, that's such a, that's such a good point. Like, I love that element that they put in there. Like the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Like you look at somebody else and you think that they're so lucky and like that, you know, how many people look at each other and it's like, well, like you don't know, I don't know what you're going through and you don't know what I'm going through. And like, that's mm-hmm. something that we can both, what they both pretty much connected on, you know, where they felt lost. And I have to say I, I, my, I, my favorite, my favorite character has to have been the teacher. He was, my yes, actual, he was, I fucking loved him. Like he was great. Every time, every time he was, he was, there. I'm actually surprised that he's not nominated because he was, he, I think he was a great addition to this film. Like everything that he brought to it, the, like, like when he's, uh, when he's yelling at them, like to get, just getting their shit together. I don't remember exactly what he said. Uh, he had so many, he had so many great lines in this film. Yeah. He was definitely like a, the comedic inspiring teacher. Uh, in the mix, like she, he really wants to see her succeed, and but again, you you have what you want and what is best, and are you gonna let? I, I it, you know it's hard because like you want to do what's best for your family, or do you want to follow your dreams that may crash and burn, but you know you could either try or not. Like there's a talent there and obviously the teacher recognized the talent. And the sad part is that her talent is actually, she can sing and it has a beautiful voice that was very showcased throughout the whole movie. And her parents and her brother couldn't hear that and didn't understand it. And I think that was, that was showcased beautifully in the, that toward the, 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 the holiday concert or the, oh, the summer concert, the spring concert. Yes. Yes. And they're, everyone's enjoying having a good time and they're there to, you know, her parents and her brother are there to support, uh, you know, the do- their daughter and, and his sister and they want to see her succeed and they're just happy that she's doing something, you know, and they can't enjoy it because they can't hear her. And so you like there, and you can see that they're already like looking around and to me, a heartbreaking like she's out on stage, you know, she, and she was also a, a nervous girl throughout this whole movie. So the fact that she is putting herself out there on stage um, is a big deal for her. Obviously she grew comfortable with it, but she wasn't at first. And so she's doing her thing. And then, you know, you're seeing her parents kind of look around, like not really sure what power, you know, how they should react. And, and then they're literally like, so what, so what do you want me to make for dinner? Like, like to me, when I saw that like written in there, like they're just signing to each other, what do you want for dinner? That was like, damn. Like they, <laughs> it's not like they don't care, but they just, you they know, you know what I mean? It's like it. they don't, they, they don't can't order. appreciate it. It's, it's, and I think the movie showcased that beautifully. Like in that scene, we get, you know, we're listening, we get the start of their duet, and then it switches, and we just switch to their POV where it's just complete like what a beautiful way to use silence 
to tell mm-hmm. the, to tell the story because now we're hearing what they don't hear and then you see the nervousness from the dad when he's looking around and he's trying to he's like looking to see how people are reacting like he sees her and he is like you could tell that and what a great performance obviously why he's why he was nominated like to you can see the distress on his face he's like he's like i want to be there and i think we get that payoff when after mm-hmm. the concert when they're outside and this is when they when this happened i was like you know, there was some dust in the ceiling. I, I, it fell in my eyes. Because yeah, when, he, same, when we she must have started the same singing, dust. and he's telling her, he's like louder. So in because you know we saw earlier that he the rap music he like he likes rap music loud like loud loud music because he can feel it. He can feel the music, and you can see like when he puts his hands on her to like like to feel he wants to feel the vibration of her voice like you can tell yeah, he, he felt puts the emo- his hand on his throat yeah. he puts her hand around her throat and like you can feel the emotion that like and she's literally giving it like her all like everything she's giving it her everything in that moment and like that was just such a beautiful scene and i think they they really gave they it was a well-deserved payoff because of what we saw what they went through in the auditorium it was well-deserved in that moment yeah, I, I, you know, I was, you know, we must have the same dust in the ceiling, Ernesto, because I was, I was right there with you. I was like, this, this is, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's finding a way to connect when you can't. Yeah. And, and I think they, I think uh, on top, on top of that payoff, there was another great payoff when she's auditioning for Berkeley and her parents and her brother sneak in to the audition and then the teacher kind of goes in there like she's fully unprepared. The teacher kind of steps in because he knows how to play the song. And um, she's like, and then he purposefully misplays like, oops, did, oh, did I, did I, fuck that, that was up? on oh, me. My bad. That was on <laughs> yeah, the, with the eyes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but then when she's, when she's singing, she sees her parents up in the rafters and then another great payoff is like, okay, now I'm signing the words that I'm saying, I'm singing. And you can see the interaction and the engagement with the parents had shifted because now they can understand, maybe not hear her, obviously, but they can maybe feel the emotion that she's outputting them by the way that she's signing. And I thought that was another great moment in the movie that that kind of just hits really hard. Yeah, we thought that that was going to happen... Um, that she was going to do that during the auditorium scene. Mm. My, Hannah was like, oh, look, she's like, like, she's probably going to start signing. Like, I was like, oh, I didn't even, I, and in the moment, like, I didn't even think about that. I, I thought they were going in the direction that they went. Like, I didn't see that. Right. I didn't see that happening at all, but it made, it hit, it, it made sense to have it hit at the end because yeah. we needed to see her dad try to have interest in her moving on with her life like with right. her with the interest that scene of them together of her him finding interest in her singing career and i mean uh, aside from you know her dreams and she's definitely put she was put in a hard position this entire movie being basically there as she put it free interpreter um it's like i'm i'm your daughter i'm not um you know i i have a life i want to do things i can't just be here for you to to interpret so you can make friends or you can understand like you got to figure this shit out on your own or get another interpreter like i can't be that person i'm trying to be me and it, hard. it's hard for you to it's hard for you to say that when this is also your family yeah like, like you don't want to be there for your family like and it's not like 
you know, you don't want to make them feel bad, but like at the same time, like, like you as a human being see that us as human beings like are struggling and you can help us. But I guess that's one of the, that's why this story is told because it's one of those that walks the line between like taking advantage of somebody and just having somebody be there to help you out in the mid, in the meantime, like not having it be your permanent, having it be a solution, but not a permanent solution. Right. And I, and I feel like, you know, you can kind of feel that she wasn't feeling gratitude or she didn't feel uh, that she was being thanked for all of the work that she was doing or being appreciated for being that person for them when, you know, they do need her. But they and, and that was especially showcased when she decided to kind of, you know, ditch the boating day. And that happens to be the same day that the inspector was there and realized that, you know, wait a minute, are you, are you, you guys are both deaf and like the radio calls are going off and like sirens, like that was pretty jarring to see like the, the boat, the police boat kind of come up in the boat and be like, you got to stop what you're doing. Like you're violating all these rules. And they had no idea. Like, what are you talking about? Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, and they, and they kind of like, didn't want to blame it on the daughter. Like, well, if you were here, none of this would have happened. It's like, well, those, those were your actions. Like if you knew she wasn't going to be there, you didn't have to go on the boat, but you're blaming, you're blaming her for the actions that you guys did. But then on top of that, you need to go on the boat to make money. So there's, there's layers to these decisions, but he did have a point because he said, if I would have known that you weren't going to be there, then I would have, then I could have accounted for that. You were supposed to be there and you just didn't show up. There's a dip like that's where, and that's where the difference is. And that's where she fucked up. Right, and that's where she did fuck up. But then again, the blame goes back on them because they decided to go out. They didn't. They if she wasn't there, she they didn't have to go out because they, I'm, I'm probably sure that they knew that they were going to be breaking a few rules um, if they went out. Yeah. I, it, it's hard to tell that or not, but you can see that they also struggle with society. Like you can see that you know the daughter was being made fun of because it looks like she had a, a trouble speaking when she was younger because I mean, it makes sense because if your parents are and your brother are deaf, where are you going to learn to say words? Like, how do you, yeah. how do you learn that? So you learn how to say in the house. Exactly. So like in, so like you don't know how to say words. So she, I'm, I'm sure she got extra teaching. Obviously she can say words fine and, and also sing very well. Yeah. Um, but we so, saw that aspect come up when he was trying to get her, to like sing from her diaphragm because she's so trained to be this person that she wasn't like in your core. Like you need to go to the core of who you are. If you really want to let out that person, she goes, you need to talk, you know, that whole scene where it's like talk ugly and like, like getting her yeah. to like really get inside of her belly, like, and to get in there. Yeah. I mean, and then it, it, I think part of that too, like he just wanted her to get, out of your comfort zone. Like you got to be loud. You got to be mean. You got to like show emotion. And you can see that when he was able to get that emotion out of it, her singing was night and day, literally. And, and you can, and I, and I liked how the movie presented that. Cause you can totally see the, the difference between where she was in that moment. And then literally minutes later have a completely different approach to the song that, I was just hearing like, oh, she's singing this very well. She's singing this very beautiful. But then like you hear, okay, what well, a little bit tweaking here or there is like, oh shit, now she's singing this way better than she was a few minutes ago. 
Um, so I don't, I don't know. It's, it was such a great story to tell. And I feel that it kind of just puts things in perspective, um, of what other people might be dealing with, especially at her at a young age, trying to make her own decisions while also relying, her family relying on her to make also the decisions. Like, I feel like she, she was put in a position where she had to grow up really fast. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, she didn't have a choice. Like, you're the only one who can hear. I mean, you kind of see it from, and I mean, a lot of it, and a lot of her, like, anxiety, I feel, comes from the, like, the the kind of strained relationship she had with her mom leading mm-hmm. up in the, well, in the beginning, in the first half of the film, obviously, and towards the end, they, you know, they they settled their differences and, and came together, but you see, a, like, a lot of, like, I don't know what's the best word for it, but her mom being, like, very, like, petty with her. Yes, yeah, it's like, what, like, what are you doing, like... Like uh, the music at the beginning of the movie, she was listening to music, kind of zoning out, doing her homework, and her mom's like, "You can't do that at the dinner table," and she's like, "Why not? Why can't I listen to music?" But then when the brother comes in and sits down, as a family, they're collectively swiping right and left on Tinder dates, and she's like, "What the hell? You said no phones at the table." She's like, "No, this this activity we can do together as a family. We can't listen to music together as a family." And it's like, and, I mean, why you got to throw that in her face? I mean, she right. even tells her she was like not necessarily jealous of her, but she wanted she wanted her to to be deaf so that they can all be the same. They could all live the same struggle together. And I'm like, that's, right. that's so crazy. I would never like want I, I mean, I guess I mean, I'm not deaf, so I don't I don't I don't understand. But I guess I, I guess I can see where she's coming from. It would have been easier if she was deaf. easier. Yes, definitely easier. Um, but aside from all the drama moments, this movie was actually also really funny. Yes. <laughs> I, I I cracked up a whole bunch of times in this movie. What what was your favorite scene, at least on the comedic side? Because I have one that's very clear. Um, I have two. Well, okay. my first the first one that came to mind is the doctor scene in the beginning where she had they had yes. to use their daughter to translate <laughs> About how he's got like um what did he call it jock itch, jock itch yeah yeah from you know working out at sea all day wearing wear underwear all day, and then he passed it on to his to his wife, his and, wife and they're yeah. using their daughter for them to talk about sex like how long <laughs> do we have to go about sex he's she's like never never again yeah, <laughs> never yeah. it's so funny because like he's like yeah about you can't have sex for about two weeks and so she's explaining everything and she's like and then you can't have sex and then they're like for, for how long and like never it's like never no, doesn't sound right it's like never she's like ah, two weeks and then once she signed two weeks they got <laughs> They got like, more mad at two weeks than never, which yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> and and then they're like, "How I can't I can't stop myself in two weeks." I mean, look at her. Like, yeah. I can't look at her. I can't do that. And she's like, "Enough. We're good. We're gonna go home now." Okay, <laughs> we're, we're done. <laughs> and then you get the payoff with the, when they. <laughs> When they're sinking in the room, you are going to town on each other in the other room, and they're in with, and, and they're within their two weeks. 
And literally, she's she can't knock on the door. She can't yeah. yell at them to be like, stop, or I have company over. She's, she's literally got to open the door herself, see her parents going at it, and then like just flicker the light. <laughs> the comedic timing on that was genius. And then it literally cuts to the bottom, like, I'm sorry, the bottom, them downstairs, and was like... She's like, we, we don't have to do this. It's fine. Uh, and he goes, and the dad's like, no, 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 no we, have to, we have to talk about this. I'm like, no, we don't have to talk about this. And then they instantly go into, uh, like, how to put on a condom talk. And then he, like, <laughs> he like mimes it. He's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, like rolls wait. up the condom and then throws it away. He, like, mimes <laughs> yes. the whole thing. It's like, I wish... Like it felt, I mean, to be her, it's like I just want to die <laughs> yes, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, I'm completely embarrassed. I'm done with this whole thing. Well, you can leave now. Um, and then, and then going back to the drama side, that came back where people were making fun of her because he told uh, his friend and his friend, his friend, exactly. Um, so there was a good balance there between comedy and and drama and uh, all within this beautiful story. I, I me personally. I don't feel like this movie is going to win Best Picture. But based off the emotion and the deep storytelling that it told, I feel like it should. Because when you think of Best Picture, on top of, like, as we normally discuss, like, Best Picture is the meal. Like, mm-hmm. best all around of filmmaking. Oh, this definitely was the meal. And, and, I, and I totally agree with you. But I think also part of it is, like, when people go back, and want to watch, like, I want to go down the Oscars. I want to see what was the year defined as best picture. Like, what was the message that you want me to get out of this movie? And I feel like Coda is a perfect example of what movies people should watch. Okay. Like, like it, this, this tells a very human story that people can relate to and understand and, and learn from. And so, like, I feel like this deserves the nomination as well as I think, you know, and you I still think walk it, away know, with some. Yeah, <laughs> at the it very least. needs to walk least. away with some. If it doesn't get Best Picture, at least adapt it. Well, I mean, we'll get into it when we talk about when yeah. we talk about nominations. But it, it's the nominations are well-deserved. Yes, and sometimes we don't agree with that. Obviously, with West Side Story, we did not agree with that. But Dakota... Yeah, definitely well deserved. It's a very human story, uh, and, and it's very uh, specific, a, a specific human story that I feel like a lot of people probably don't relate to. So the fact that not only was this movie made to kind of hit the masses, but now the beauty about this is that because it's nominated, at least this next few weeks, um, a lot of people are going to go watch this movie and and probably just like us and and learn from from this and kind of feel sympathy and and maybe kind of respect what a lot of these families might have to go through and do go through on their daily lives. Um, Ernesto, anything else you want to mention or final thoughts? Um, I think you if you have Apple TV Plus, like this is a perfect perfect movie, like date night, family movie maybe for the older like you know teenage kids, but um, yeah, great. Great, great film. Um, I couldn't recommend it anymore. Like, like, hi, can can say nothing but good things. And I'm a sucker for um, great music in a movie. And that's, I mean, Marvin Gaye, what a great song. <laughs> yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. There's a reason why this film was nominated for best picture. It's it's all there. It's as we normally say, it's the meal. 
Um, you have great acting, a great story. It's, I, I feel like if anything, you know, if it not gets best picture, at least give it for the writing category or the acting for the one acting nom it got. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's a very, it's it's a very it's a touching story it's like if if you didn't walk out of there not shedding a tear i'm like i'm not sure if you got a you got a soul are you, or something are you human a human yeah you're you're a robot watching this movie come on <laughs> now um it's it's just so it, it was heartbreaking as it was heartwarming and like and you you can really understand what everyone like nobody was the bad guy no one's at fault like you understand everyone's point of view and i think yes. that's another great thing about this movie Agreed. is that you that's a good point. you like i feel like nobody nobody was 100% wrong you weren't rooting for anybody to be wrong they weren't picturing this movie as somebody to have the wrong mindset their thoughts and feelings are understood and valid and it showcased very well in this film that when you walk away from it and at the end of the day, you're like, wow, that that's just it was a, it was a great story to be told. And again, that's available on Apple TV Plus. So if you got that or if you don't, then you should get it and watch it because I think it's worth at least the, the, the free trial or the the one the five dollar of you got to pay for that one month to go watch it. It's like a rental, basically. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so there you go. That's our spoiler review on Coda. We're going to be discussing this film more when we have our Oscar noms conversation next month. Uh, but there you go, guys. That's all the show we have for you guys this week. Um, Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what they can look forward to next week. Ooh, we have the one and only Esteban Guerra coming back on. And we're going to be reviewing Scream. Diving into Ooh. the Scream franchise, something I'm very fond of. There, I love the, I love the original three. Um, the fourth one's not bad, uh, so I'm kind of interested to see where this one went. Okay, and and people were raving about this movie when it came out. So yeah, they've already announced it, that they're gonna do what one or two more movies. I, I think at least one more movie, and they they're announcing a sequel to the new one, at the very least. So, and also, if you haven't seen, have you seen Ready or Not? Yes. Did, did you see that movie? Yeah. That was from the same directors. And apparently they took the Scream franchise to a whole new level. But we, I, we'll see. It. I'm here. I, I'm very excited. I'm being reacquainted with the Scream franchise. So, um, but we're going to be diving into all of that next week. And of course... Stevan, you know, he's always a great guest, so we're going to have oh, He's fun. a huge Scream fan. He's a huge I, From what I heard. So he's going to have a lot to say about that. Oh, I'm so sure. So come back, <clears throat> excuse me, come back next week and enjoy all that fun. As always, you can hit us up on our social media channels, on Instagram at boxoffice underscore bingers, and on Facebook and TikTok at boxofficebingers. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Come back next week. We're going to have another good time. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ben Ernesto Santos. See ya.